Today's episode is brought to you by Birthing Stone and their baby sleep coaching program. Birthing Stone's sleep coaches help you invest in a lifetime of good sleep for your little one and provide in-home personalized support to help you reach your goals. Head over to motherbirth.co slash birthingstone for more information. My doctor looks at me, she's like, that's not in your birth plan. That's not, you don't want me to do that. And I was like, just do it. <laughs> I was like, do it now. We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mother Birth. Lara and I are here today with a special guest who's in the studio here with me in Portland. Paige Rose is a um, Northwesterner, just like I am. And she's here today to share her stories with us. She has three little babies and has had some really, really unique and special experiences of birth. And um, we're going to be diving into that today. So Paige, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Paige Rose, and um, I have three little ones, and I'm also a stepmom to two. Um, my oldest is five, um, my son, my first son, and then my second is my daughter, and she is three, and my youngest is um, with us right now. <laughs> so, yes, you may hear little, little <laughs> precious squeaky noises. But, um, he is, um, gosh, two months yesterday, Wow. and his name is Emerson. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. I remember you posting that he'd been born. And a big part of Paige's story is that her first two babies were born prematurely. And so with yeah. with this baby, um, I know you were just like every day was like a check, yeah. you know, check mark. And, and you made it to how far did you make it with Emerson? Uh, almost 39 weeks. That's so crazy. I'm <laughs> wow. sure that was just so it incredible. It was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it was out of the norm for me. So I yeah. definitely got all the more cliche end of pregnancy Right. Um, you know, symptoms and I got really irritable and yeah. I totally am more sympathetic now and yeah. <laughs> can relate with a lot of moms and yeah. how you get to being bigger and done. Sure. And I I would say yeah. that in general, having, you know, premature babies with NICU stays yeah. is an incredibly stressful experience. Um, yeah. but it does relieve you of some of those end of pregnancy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Every day I would be grumpy and I'd say, but I'm so grateful. I'm so yeah. thankful he will come when he's supposed to be here. Yeah. And every day was definitely a big blessing once I passed 36 weeks. Right. Then I knew, you know, I was out of that more, mm -hmm. you know, that problematic. That, yeah, yeah. That everybody sees at the hospital. And that was always really stressful yeah. for me. So, yeah. Yeah. And you were hoping. I do think it's hard. Go ahead. Or just watching, watching moms who've had early babies. It is hard because. Once that comes and goes, they're they're longest they've been pregnant before. Yes, they tend to be a little bit more like what, like what? Now <laughs> yeah. what do I do? Yeah, like yeah, and you're like waiting for labor every day versus you know maybe another mom who has their expectations set a little bit longer. Exactly. Right. I feel like as a nurse, I see a lot of those moms because they're like, but I'm like still pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're 37 weeks, and that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're so excited. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I know you were 
planning a home birth with Emerson. So that was a big milestone too, to pass that window of when a home birth would be okay. Yep. Cause with all three, I planned outside of hospital births. So yeah, with my first, it was, it was just really crushing to be in a hospital when I went to preterm labor Mm -hmm. at 33 weeks and five days. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know it was labor. I just knew something was off. Yeah. Had a lot of back pain. Went in after not being able to get back to sleep after a few hours. And it just was, you know, persistent. And I had to take quite a few showers. So my midwife was like, let's go in, double check just to make sure. And um, yeah, so when we got there... You know, the nurse was like, well, first time mom. She's like, we'll just put you in triage and yeah, uh, we'll monitor you for a couple of hours. And sure enough, not even half an hour later, a doctor and a nurse came in and they said I was having contractions. Hmm. Minute apart, almost a minute long. And I had no idea. You weren't feeling them. No, I wasn't hmm. feeling them at all. But the good news was I wasn't dilated. Hmm. So they were hopeful I was just going to be able to be put on bed rest and stop the contractions. And, right. But he he had his own plan they yeah. didn't even stop it right. by nine that night so they were trying yeah. to and <laughs> they it just tried. wasn't yeah what, yeah what were they doing to try to stop you know i don't remember exactly what it was called they there were two options that we were gonna um that they had offered me i guess but the, mm-hmm. one of them they said they really didn't want to give me because it could make me sick majority of people get really sick on it yeah so they gave me um, a dose. It was an actual oral one dose, and I was supposed to have another one the next day yeah. um, to stop my contractions. And then they did give me one um, dose for his lungs. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I was supposed to get another one of those. Definitely didn't make it because we, yeah. we got to the hospital a oh, um, little after 8 a.m. So we got there really early. And then they transferred us from Sunnyside to... Um, St. Vincent in Portland because mm. they had a better NICU just in case because right. they were obviously mm-hmm. seeing that my contractions were never were really not. stopping. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're hopeful. They kept saying they'd seen cases like mine and there was no medical reason why I was going into labor um, but that it was just happening um, and that we were both healthy. So, um, yeah. but then I don't know why they did it so late but they did an ultrasound at like 3 p.m., a little after, mm-hmm. and we found out he was breech. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I just was hysterically laughing, kind of like a crazy person. Yeah. And I look over to my husband, and I'm <laughs> laughing and crying. Right. And I'm like, yeah. I, I think I'm in a nightmare. Like, mm-hmm. this is not happening because the one thing that whole pregnancy, you know, that I did was I really did not want to talk about C-sections. Mm-hmm. I already knew the C-section rate. Um, I just didn't want to talk about it you with any to provider. You wanted to focus on the positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, um, you know, later regretted that because I was worried I was going to have trauma from mm. all of that because I didn't talk about it. Um, but um, surprisingly, I didn't from my C-section, but he was an emergency C-section. Yeah, what he, happened that caused that? So they tried to stop it. We transferred, got to the next hospital at 5 p.m. a little after I was starving because I hadn't eaten all day and you know they don't yeah the whole day they I think I got a popsicle and maybe jello I had to fight the nurse on that one mm-hmm. and so I was very grumpy I get very hangry as they, as call, they say, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So, um, yeah, so I kept asking and St. Vincent is a teaching hospital. So I had, I had an OB and then I also had a teaching OB and then her assistant and then a ton of nurses Mm. and the room was large that we were in and yeah, it filled up quickly once. Um, so I kept bugging them for food. And yeah. by the fourth time, they were like, okay, we put the order in. And I'm like, no, you didn't because I keep calling. Right. So this was a little after 8.30 p.m. Finally, she's like, well, I want to check you one more time to make sure. She checks me. Nothing had changed. I wasn't dilating. Everything was closed. Didn't lose anything. No, mm-hmm. you know, water bag intact. And she leaves the room. And I felt a really big contraction. So I stayed on my left side and you hadn't been feeling them up to this point no just like little pressures you know here and there Mm -hmm. but nothing consistent nothing at all they were definitely spacing out um and I was hopeful that we were just gonna stay there a couple more nights and then get be put on bed rest for two more weeks yeah and um yeah she leaves the room and I had a bigger contraction and my water broke Mm -hmm. and I knew at that point like there was no stopping him because yeah. Unlike, you know, that can be a normal sign for some women. For me, when the water breaks, it's kind of a very, I don't know, it's its not a good sign for me. Because from a lot of the women in my family, our waters do not break. Yeah. Not until the baby's coming right out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I was hysterical at that point. Um, and I just started screaming and crying that he was coming and... Um, just my husband left and tried to grab the doctor really fast and mm-hmm. a huge flood of nurses and doctors just came into the room and I had a wall of contractions. I did not have a break at all and I went from nothing to transitioning in a little under 15 minutes Wow! and threw up wow. and everything. <laughs> and I'd been terrible to the nurses the whole time. And the <laughs> one time I was nice, it was like something slowed down and I just nicely looked at the nurse and I was like I'm gonna throw up (laughs) and and she was like what because I'd been awful to her right just yelling at her the whole time and my husband was like oh she's gonna throw up and she's like oh and she threw down the paperwork and grabbed you know a little bucket or something for me to throw up and I was like thank you and then that was the only time I was like nice and stopped crying and calm it was so funny and then um went right back into just like a fast forward movie scene, just yeah. everyone running around me and me signing the yeah. papers for the cesarean. Cause for me too, him being my first, I knew that it was out of my comfort level, not knowing, you know, it would have been different if I was full term and knew he was breached and had time to research anyone locally if they could do a breach. Birth. Right. To, yeah. But I knew my boundaries and I was like, he's my first, a lot of babies typically at the gestational age sometimes their head is a lot bigger than their body so I didn't want you know I wasn't going to chance it even if he was coming out Mm -hmm. to try and have him because the second the umbilical cord touches the air two minutes so I wasn't gonna for me that was my boundary for trying to deliver breach because I I didn't want to chance his head getting stuck and passing those two minutes yeah so I already knew that I already knew all of that and um so I signed it, no problem, yeah. even though, and you know, yeah. during all of it, I was like, yes, do the C-section, get him out. And, um, and then by the time we got to the table, another 10 minutes after that or so, 
I was fully dilated and he was trying to come out. Wow. He was just right there. So, and I, they couldn't even set me up to put an epidural or spinal, nothing. Cause I just kept trying to have him as such a out of body experience that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took like five nurses or so. I'm trying to remember, but my husband also was watching and traumatized by it all. Mm. Um, because I just kept trying to sit up and have him. Yeah. I was just trying to. Yeah. And they kept telling me, don't touch your stomach. You know, we cleaned it. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I was just yeah. not even in control. And so they had to put me under general anesthesia. And then um, it was really fast because I went to sleep and I woke right up and like nothing had passed. No time had passed. Mm-hmm. Um, I woke up crying like I went to sleep crying. And um, but I remember feeling immediately feeling everything because I didn't have anything else in my system. So then them wheeling me out of the OR, they gave me something because I was like, wow, that hurts really bad. I feel everything. And so they were wheeling me straight to my son down to the NICU. Thankfully, the NICU is just right down the hall. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. Um, I got to see him only 25 minutes after he was born. So that was amazing because yeah. being part of ICANN, yeah. um, which is International Cesarean Awareness Network, and it's a support group and yeah. nonprofit um, and awareness. And um, I started going to them at four months postpartum with my son. And I've just heard so many horror stories of people oh not my gosh. seeing their baby they for don't hours get, yeah. Or, yeah. Days. or days. Yeah. yeah. And yep. yeah. So I just, I'm really grateful because, um, yeah, I I never, we didn't have bonding issues or um, nursing. Even he latched right away when I got to him. And mm-hmm. that's a whole nother. That's awesome. Yeah. The, it was another story of the NICU and their protocol yeah. um, allowing me, which is just hilarious now. Yeah. Having, Would you talk about that? Because yeah. I think that's such a big you yeah. know, component of this experience for mothers. Yeah. So even though I have my three, my son's birth is definitely the most traumatic. Um, and it's most of the, the postpartum that's the traumatic. Um, surprisingly, my cesarean, I healed amazingly. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, as I get older and the more babies I have, I'm like, okay, I, it was amazing. I even healed so quickly and so amazingly hearing even how cesarean yeah. recoveries go um, because I didn't stop mm-hmm. the second I had him I I passed out after meeting him and I woke back up a few hours later and I didn't want to be away from him and I had separation anxiety mm-hmm. a lot um, I didn't want to ever be away from him and I just thought it was you know so unnatural even if he was down the hall but to be down in the NICU away from me yeah. while I was in my room so I had Pretty much it after the birth was just it spiraled. I I ended up having postpartum anxiety, postpartum postpartum um, OCD, and then that triggered some of postpartum depression. And yeah. so and it, it was all self-diagnosed later when mm-hmm. after I had my daughter and doing a lot of preparation for her birth that I realized I had so much with my son. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But a, a lot of that, um, a lot of my triggers still this day are with my NICU stay. And um, 
and our breastfeeding journey because mm-hmm. I'm a huge breastfeeding advocate and um, I've successfully breastfed all of my babies. Um, so I just, it's not even about, I'm a total, I really believe that fed is best. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, no matter what. Um, but I really believe that it's the support from the very start where so many mothers have the biggest challenges with yeah. breastfeeding yes. and the miscommunication on, you know, how it's important to someone. Because as a first time mom, it was really hard for me to relay really what was important to me. Yeah. I was so overwhelmed yeah. by what had just happened with the birth. And it's all so new. So you don't know. You don't know, well, am I supposed to be traumatized? Because I am. And then, you know, you're still very, I don't know, I was still living in a world, I guess, where I was trying to make it all better when really I wasn't taking care of myself and paying attention to what was really going on. And so I was trying to get back to my, quote, normal, but there wasn't a normal anymore. It was Mm -hmm. I needed to move on and um, really face what I was going through at that moment. Um, and then also it was a huge challenge for my family because I had two stepdaughters at home full time. They were probably fairly young at that time, right? Yeah, they were, um, almost six and 10. Okay. And so, um, I had done everything with them and I, I had been taking them to school, doing all of the appointments. And so it was, it was really hard because I immediately had to stop all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, because I just couldn't be away from my son. And I'm, then I was having all these postpartum issues that we were all unaware of. So my husband and I were having relationship problems because we just, we were both tra- traumatized from everything, but then trying to juggle everything. Yeah. Um, it just was all so fast we didn't have time to grasp until we were further away from it what had really happened um how long was Adric in the NICU so he was in the NICU two and a half weeks okay and I was I only went home once and Mm -hmm. I cried the entire night I didn't even sleep yeah because they they kept saying you know you need to take care of yourself and you need to go home and take a shower. You need to do this. And I said, no, I, if I leave, I'm, I'm going to be more of a mess. And so I finally got the courage to, and my husband was begging me to, to come home and well, let's have dinner with the girls and let's try to get, you know, some, our new routine. And, um, I just resented everyone. Mm. I didn't understand why everyone was telling me to leave my baby. Right. So, I pushed it, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll try. It was like probably a week and a half after I'd had him. And um, I pushed it as long as I could. I think we stayed at the hospital till 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we lived an hour away. So we lived all um, out in Gresham. So even with no traffic, it took us an hour to get home. Um, so we didn't get home to midnight. And then I had to pump right away. Mm-hmm. And I just would cry. I think I slept for maybe an hour, if that. Yeah. And then got up immediately, was pumping and just trying to wake my husband up to take me back because I just, because we had one car at the time too. 
Right. It was just a mess. Yeah, that sounds, I, I think when I think of, you know, there's so many components to to experiencing, you know, an extended NICU stay. And, and certainly there are so many emotional components, even, even when I think about the logistics of it, I'm like, how do people do it? You know? Yeah. Like how do people, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many implications, including financial ones. Like, exactly. Yeah. And there's just, unfortunately, I really feel passionate about hopefully making that better (laughs) because NICU families, even when they have support and when they have a better scenario for getting, you know, to and from the hospital and whatever it may be, um, NICU families are always at higher risk for postpartum depression and any trauma. So um, that ongoing support, I, it really needs to go beyond just, Hi, how are you today when you right. get in the NICU? And yeah. And the nurses, they're really they're worn out. They do 12-hour shifts. I did not get along with pretty much all the nurses. Mm-hmm. I got along with only two. And one of them made a huge difference for me and yeah. how yeah. I started getting a schedule and trying to actually get sleep and writing things down so that I could calm myself down and and um, yeah. start pumping on a normal schedule and you know these are the things that can help and and I only got to have her a couple times because she yeah. actually lived further away and she would only do like two shifts two days of shifts and then leave yeah and um I think I was, yeah I was gonna say I think it's so difficult um, when the transition from being a patient as the mom as a patient. And then you transition to being, you're not a patient any longer. So you've been discharged. Right. Yet your baby is a patient. And so, you know, in the best scenario, as far as logistics, they have a place for you to stay and to sleep and to lie with your baby. Exactly. But not every place has that. Exactly. In fact, most of them do not. But even then, there's no real reality of times or space in the hospital. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just one long day. And some of the people who stay, and like a lot of people don't know this or think about it this way, but. As far as inpatient, NICU babies are some of the longest stays in the hospital. Of any. And yeah. Yeah. Of any other kind of patient. Yeah. Right. And so, so much in there. And like you said, there's so many, there are some places and you and you know this when you talk to people from other areas or different circumstances, there are some places where you could only visit your babies, you know, this many hours and they don't care about breastfeeding. And, yeah. you know, there are places that are making all these great advances, but I think right. you're right. There's this other element where it's like you're not breathing fresh air. You're not exactly like there's no sun. There's no moon. It's yeah. just space yep. and trauma and difficulty yeah. and everything. And everything worry. is a barrier. Uh, yeah, everything well, is a barrier to when you can go home and when you can exactly. do this and when you can do that. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to live in the know. It's mm-hmm. like people constantly telling you no. And it's like, obviously I'm a nurse and I have that perspective where I'm like, of yeah. course they're doing their job and exactly. like you said, they're overworked. But it's very difficult. It's such a difficult interaction to have. It is. And it's such a difficult space to hold right. for moms because you want to help them be successful in breastfeeding and bonding. And, you know, but you also have these other things going on. And I just, yeah. like you're saying, I wish there was almost like a chaplain piece, like someone who is looking at how are you, how are you doing with everything that's happening to you? Not right. about your baby, not about the feeding schedule, not about how much milk you got last time. Right. But like, how are you doing? How are like, you really doing? Yeah. With your husband and your other kids. Exactly. And, yeah. 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 I agree completely. It's just 
there needs to be, I don't know, more support, more training around that. I really yeah. feel passionate about that. And I would love to work in hospitals eventually and um, work in uh, improving the quality improvement. Yeah. Um, so, but I, it's hard to find something that just focuses on maternity and NICU. Yeah. Cause then, you know, you do it more on the grand scheme of yeah. the entire hospital. But, um, I mean, what would it be like? It, like, I'm just thinking out loud, but you know, we need like NICU doulas. Yeah. You know, I That's, mean, it's, yeah. it's like, a, you know, cause, yeah. cause the, even, even like Laura said, the most progressive hospitals, like yeah. their resources are, are yeah. limited. They're stretched thin. You know, they have all of these, you know, internal protocols that they have to manage. Exactly. And so That's even the, the best possible nurse, she has a lot of a lot of different things that she has to exactly. take care of and a lot of different things that she has to make sure are happening. And so her primary, you know, focus or priority can't be the mom. Like exactly. it just can't be. And so, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. just like people hire us to attend their birth or to, mm -hmm. you know, I know you also do postpartum doula work. Yes. It's interesting to think like what it would look like to have someone kind of help you. Well, that's eventually what I want to do is work specifically with NICU families. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because... I it would have made such a huge difference for me yeah. if I would have had a separate person yeah just, just to support me and to, to support talk you to. and your and your and your whole family right yeah. exactly checking in and because it was really hard to communicate with anyone because I mm -hmm. you know a lot of my postpartum OCD was all from my NICU stay because I mean, there was one time where something, a blanket had dropped on the floor and a nurse screamed, like, don't mm -hmm. pick it up. Right. Put it in the dirty hamper or put it in this bag and take it home and wash it or throw it away. Like, those are your options. Yeah. And how does that not contribute to OCD? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was terrified of the world right. when we were discharged. I, I mean, especially because I had my stepdaughters, I was terrified of them touching my son because... Mm. They always got sick. Right. So then all of a sudden it wasn't like, oh, they're just kids that always get sick. It was they're going to contaminate. Gonna, yeah, yeah, something bad's going to happen to my yeah. baby. And three days after my son was born, there was a baby who had been in the NICU for quite some time, been discharged for like a month and was all healthy. Great. Was back in the hospital because he had this just awful infection. Hmm. And so I saw a couple of those stories where I was terrified. I didn't – I was jumping to conclusions and yeah. panicking about, yeah. oh, well, I can leave the hospital and then have to come back if they get sick or right. – and so it was just – yeah, I was well, I overwhelmed. Any new with, mother faces that challenge of, you know – how you know how do we how do we adjust to this new life and you yes. you definitely worry about your baby and you know obviously we all have different relationships to that but right. i think when you have this experience where you know you have a, a baby who does need a you know like to put it bluntly assistance to stay alive yeah you know it it just kind of warps your sense of of reality and your sense of trust exactly in, in your, and your own confidence. yeah in your own intuition in your baby and like your you know just the survivability of the situation and I think right. I, I read an article recently we can we can share a link to it in the show notes but it's basically about how you know NICU families like when they go home they are having a harder time yes. than the 
average mom who goes home, who is also having a hard time, but it is just a whole other level of difficulty because you've just had not only this extended period of, you know, worry and complication and all these other things, you know, based on the prematurity of your baby, but you also, even though you're of course involved in the care of your child, in the care of your child during that time, you have these professionals that are taking care of your baby for you. And suddenly you have to go home and it's all on you. Right. Like, there's there's no nurse there to do the like right. 3 a.m. like vitals. Yeah, to <laughs> you check know? everything. Yeah. Yeah, and part of that actually it's it's kind of funny. So with my son too, I wanted to do more of those things and actually it was the opposite for me where um I was told I couldn't a lot mm. of the time. Yeah. And or there was implication that I wasn't doing it right or it's just my confidence. I mean, what little confidence I had. Yeah. Well, I had a lot before I had him because I thought I would go full term and have, you yeah. know, and be able to go out with my new baby. And yeah. But then in that situation, I mean, every day my confidence just fell more and more because mm-hmm. I would say, well, he latched on just fine. Look, look, he's doing it. I want a nurse. Okay, that's great. But he's wasting energy. Mm. so it's been past 10 minutes you really need to stop nursing him and then I'd be pretty much in tears begging them to let me just keep nursing him right and they would say well you know the doctor's gonna get frustrated he needs to he just really needs to stop he's supposed to be at this you know mark and weigh this much by this time and if you want to go home and I just I didn't appreciate so a lot (laughs) of pressure Yeah. And a lot of like this. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to be able to be with my baby. Yeah. And just for him and I to do it because, and like you said, there, even though him and I weren't in a life threatening situation, again, we don't know why I went to preterm labor so early. Yeah. Um, But he was almost five pounds and 17 and a half inches and he was fine he was Mm -hmm. breathing on his own just fine doing a lot of things he had a couple sleep spells so that was you know the first week they were like well he really needs to get that down you know where babies hold their breath a little bit in their sleep and baby apnea yeah Yeah. so that was really scary because you have monitors to see that yeah so whereas if you take your baby home a lot of babies do that we just don't know exactly a lot of full uh Full term. Full term baby. Exactly. Absolutely. So they were, you know, and I did find that out later and a nurse did tell me that. So that was reassuring at least that, yeah, okay, this isn't something life threatening. It's not abnormal. Some, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but with the nursing, him and I, I just really, that was the big one I was fighting with them about. So they, yeah. they let me do half breast milk and half formula for um, pretty much almost the whole time we were there. Um, and they would, they started allowing me to bring him to the breast one feeding, I think that second week. And then they bumped it up to two that last half week we were there. But then when I got home, I never took him off. I just let him nurse when he wanted to nurse. Yeah. And my supply went back up and we didn't use formula and he never lost weight. And he always, so, um, and I think that that's important too. So I know that everyone's circumstances are different. different, Yeah. And because when I would pump, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't getting enough and I, I was really hard on myself and, um, yeah, there were a lot of nights that I cried about it because I was worried I wasn't going to be able to successfully breastfeed him. Um, 
but I just stuck with it. And thankfully, my husband was really supportive with that. So that mm-hmm. was a huge factor for me. If he wouldn't have been on board and if I wasn't able to be a stay-at-home mom at the time and just focus on breastfeeding him, I just, you don't, I probably would have had more postpartum trauma and everything from that because it it just was important, that bond for me. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned like kind of later self-diagnosing yourself with mm-hmm. postpartum anxiety, OCD, and, and that leading to depression. How did you, how did you sort of move through that, that initial postpartum time? Like at yeah. what point did you feel like you guys had kind of caught your breath and things were normalizing? For me, um, going to support groups was huge. Mm. Once I did that, because I, I love talking to other moms and hearing their stories. And then yeah. us just, I love bonding with people and feeling normal and yeah. feeling like, oh, I'm not the only one who's gone through this. And I started to really just find amazing moms in the community and especially through ICANN. And because I went, I went there thinking, okay, this is where I'm going to finally face trauma from my C-section that I haven't uncovered yet. Yeah. This is so I kept waiting for it and right. holding my breath almost like, you know, okay, um this it's gonna be triggered and I'm gonna be emotional about it. And eventually I was like, it's not my C section. Right. It wasn't my C section because I felt still empowered at that last minute. That was my boundary. I knew you you were I in charge that, of that decision. I made that decision. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So it was actually through that process, probably once my son was like eight months. I started talking to more moms and finding out about all the different mood disorders postpartum and looking them up and um, talking to other doulas and midwives. And then I realized, wow, this is a lot of stuff that I've had and this is what's going on. And this is why some nights I can't sleep and Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. terrified about just walking across the street. And so once I knew it, I finally felt empowered and it was start and it just got better. Mm. So, and then, you know, I know that there are triggers if you've ever had like anxiety or depression before pregnancy. Yes. Um, you're at higher risk, obviously, to have that postpartum. Yeah. And I started going to um, therapy a little bit before I had my son because um, I had a miscarriage before him. So I started to kind of uncover things I was completely unaware of that Mm -hmm. I had actually some anxiety and a little bit of OCD that were triggered from trauma that I had as a child. Mm. And I didn't know. I just, you know, if I was kind of acting up in my own head one time or when I was younger, everyone would just be like, oh, you're just overreacting. So I'd be like, okay, but deal with it inside. I never figured it out. So... That was empowering, too, because I realized, oh, well, I have triggers even from certain people or certain things in my life from before having children that can trigger the similar things that happened postpartum for me. Right. So, like, I, even though, so I went to school for journalism, and I love facts. I have to research everything. I want to know everything. And, but sometimes that can trigger me. Sure. So even though I want to be informed. It's information overload. Exactly. 
And mm-hmm. so I was kind of figuring that out about myself. Like, okay, well, when someone tells me, don't pick up that blanket from the in the NICU, and then I realize all these germs, or yeah. I had to figure out where how to calm myself down right. with all that. Like, it's okay to know yeah. that information. but And to construct your own filters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as I've gotten older and as, as I've gotten through more therapy, and that's a big important piece um, for my prenatal care, mm-hmm. for all of my pregnancies, is I make sure I have a therapist yeah. and I'm talking about any I concerns. I agree with that, 100%. Yeah, mental health is just really important. Um, well, just setting yourself up for, exactly. for you know, we, we can't like, there's not like a switch, yeah. you know, or like this you know, magical cure where you're never for sure not going to experience any, you know, postpartum difficulty, but Mm -hmm. you can set yourself up as best possible for success. Right. And I, for me, it's just the empowerment part of it. Mm Because even if you're having a bad day, I know I'm doing things to, to deal with it. I know that I've Mm -hmm. got a handle on it or I need to go, well, maybe I need to just spend a little more time outside today and walk because that helps me to think and clear my mind and, or talk to my therapist or, yeah. but yeah, we all get overwhelmed and I, I really believe we all have triggers too. There's not any, no one's perfect. We all mm-hmm. have gone through something traumatic in our life and we don't realize how much those can come back up once we're parents. Right. Yeah. We don't yeah. realize. We, go ahead, Laura. I was just going to say, we've talked with other women who've shared their stories and it's like you said, very similar kind of trajectory. Like maybe I had this, um, this proclivity before, but I didn't realize it mm-hmm. until I was in a scenario that was either extremely traumatic mm-hmm. or where I was extremely, str- I was stressed. stressed in a way that I'd never yeah. been stressed before. Exactly. So anything I used to use to cope or used to go to, to maybe skirt, like to kind of, contr- yep. I mean, really what it is is control. It's like if you have anxiety mm-hmm. or, um, traumatic kind of like things building up then what you do is you kind of construct something to push them back down exactly but when you have a baby and you're a new mom you don't have those same paths to go in to to kind of like deal with it in the way that you know how exactly and it can just put a big magnifying glass on on what was already there and I think it's so smart to address those things and I love that you talk about addressing it each time because you know you, you have no idea what your second pregnancy was going to be like or delivery yep. <laughs> or third but you do know that these are the things that could have could have set you up to be a little bit more successful for yourself and your own like mental health exactly yeah. like Melissa said you don't know it's not it's not like if you do this you won't have postpartum depression or you won't have postpartum anxiety but you might be able to experience time with your children in a different way exactly and you might have the awareness to recognize when those things are happening so that you're not in the situation that you were with your first where you're eight months down the road and you're going oh wait a second maybe Mm -hmm. you know maybe this is what's going on like maybe this is why my life is so fucking hard yeah you know like it's it's really it's really huge yeah yeah it was it's been a really important thing for me each baby and just and it's funny because even though I've gone through all the traumatic situations with having my three because it's all all of it you go through something yeah um it's been the best part of my life um I haven't had more confidence until I was a mom Hmm. because I didn't I uncovered everything yeah. I realized, oh, I wasn't even at my full potential 
when I thought I had it all together and was 22 and graduating college and knew what I wanted to do with my life. Right. And then I com- I just, you know, I met my husband and I thought, okay, well, I've been trying to get a job and I want to have babies. <laughs> I was already feeling yeah. I, w- I want to be a mom so badly. And I always did. Um, but I'm just so grateful because I really owe my kids everything. Like who I am. <laughs> Don't want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really powerful. And I, I think that that is, is so true. I see that in you. You know, what I know of you, I see this this sort of like coming alive, you know, that's, yeah. I think that, that, that is what, what our, our children have the ability to bring out in us. Yeah. You, you know, you learn alongside with them. It's, yeah. You don't even realize that, um, there's just so many pieces of yourself that you get to know Yeah. even more. So yeah, yeah. With my kids, it's just, it's always such a blessing. Um, because they uncover so much even about myself. (laughs) Okay, so today's episode is brought to you by Birthing Stone and their baby sleep coaching program. Tiffany Decker, who's a friend of ours, is the founder of the company and a birth and postpartum doula. And she realized that the biggest need her families were facing was depletion and exhaustion. And so she set out to find the right tools to help them get great sleep as a family. She ended up becoming a Mommy Wise certified sleeping coach. If you have a baby, you know how confusing the sleep issue is. You desperately want to get some sleep, but you also want to be sensitive to your baby's emotional and physical needs. And if you go on the internet, you're going to read a million different conflicting things, add exhaustion to the mix, and it's easy to just do what you've always been doing, even if it's not really working. Tiffany and her team at Birthing Stone offer the most personalized baby sleep support that is available. They come into your home and they help you identify your personal goals around sleep, what your baby's developmental needs and even personality are, and they provide in-the-moment feedback and guidance as you work together to figure out what is actually going to work for your family to get the best possible sleep. Tiffany helped my daughter and I a few months ago and it changed everything. I was so worried it would be a rigid program that would make me feel dependent on something external, but instead I felt so intuitive and I feel so intuitive about my daughter's sleep needs and I know how to adapt as she grows and changes. Being well rested means that we both thrive and we're enjoying our time together so much more. Birthing Stone offers their services all along the West Coast, primarily in Portland, Seattle, and the Santa Barbara areas. To find out if this is the right fit for you and your family, you can complete a quick application for a thorough assessment of your family's needs and goals. So head over to motherbirth.co slash birthingstone for more info. Will you tell us about your second birth? I know you had yeah. another, another early baby. So yeah, she was um, she was just shy of 36 weeks. Okay. So I was like, I really yeah. wanted to hold off because <laughs> I, I was just, you know, a few days away from being okay to be at the birth center. But yeah. It just, you know, but that's okay. But she was my um, successful VBAC at yeah. a hospital. Mm-hmm. I got really lucky. Um, I got to the hospital again early in the morning. I had lost my mucus plug, though. Uh, my midwife wanted to go in just to make sure because it was a little bit more blood. But we went in. She was like, sure enough. Yeah, and you're, I was already within an hour out of four. Mm. Um, and, again, didn't know. You weren't having contractions that you could feel. No. So, um, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't even feel pressure. I just was like, no way. Um, So I was 
delusional and hoping that, okay, well, I, it's okay if I'm in labor. Women are in labor for days. I'll just keep yeah. her in for, <laughs> for three for, more days. Yeah, for just a few <laughs> more days and I'll just go to the birth center and have the water birth I want. And, um, and one of my midwives was there with me and she was like, I yeah, that's. I happening. don't know about this page. <laughs> so she grabs my hand, you know, because I was already starting to get upset. And my husband's on the other side of me, but she's like, it's okay, Paige. Like, this is just what we got to do right now. This is just, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Let's just take it moment by moment and you'll all be okay. And so, and I had gone over um, for her with my pregnancy with her. I did a lot more of, like I said, like the mental preparing and emotional preparing and yeah I I was really into more meditation and mindfulness and I did yoga every day and then went to a class on the weekends and yeah. was just about getting myself in a good spot spiritually and um so I had for me too it was really helpful to make a lot of different uh, birth plans okay yeah. I made about four different ones just for all the different just scenarios. The scenarios yeah because yeah, with my yeah. son it was there's one thing about the C-section, but I just did not prepare for right. the NICU. So. And that's, that's such a hard balance to strike because you do want to focus on the positive. Exactly. But you also don't want to close yourself off right. to these different paths that right. you know may unfold so that you're then in that situation right. where it's just like too much to even yeah. handle. And for everyone, it's going to be different. Absolutely. But I think it's important to touch base on everything, kind of test it a little bit and see... Because it's different, too, before you conceive versus when you're pregnant. And yeah. you're kind of, okay, well, now I have nine months to or less to think about all this. Yeah. Um, so uh, with her, it was funny. I kind of over-prepared for my triggers and mm -hmm. trauma. But it worked for me um, because I didn't – it was awesome. My pregnancy with her was went really well. And then the birth even went really well. Mm -hmm. So even though I wasn't at the birth center – um, Were you at the same hospital? I was at a different hospital. I was up at Peace Health in okay. Vancouver because we live up there. Um, yeah. So, um, but I I got lucky. The OB and nurse who had just came on shift both had experience with VBACs. Mm, one great. of them had had one themselves, and then oh wow, and then one of them, their like sister or cousin, had one. Yeah. So they were really supportive. They didn't even bat an eye. Yeah. They at, weren't like subtly no. like nope, suggesting nothing. the whole time that you'd probably end up with a C-section. Exactly. Yeah. And even though I was still very not trusting anyone, I was very hesitant on, okay, well, are they just saying that to my face? And mm -hmm. I was still, you know, worried. Okay. I have to watch my back a little bit. The most perfect nurse I could have ever asked for. Mm -hmm. I still was just never comfortable. Hmm. So for me, the hospitals just, I just can't be there. They yeah, just, just, they're not, just not my thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, but it, it went well. I had to be there obviously because I was a few days early from term and then, um, but it was just hands off. I just, my doctor even told me, cause I was like, I'm not feeling any of this. She said, okay, well, if, if you're not feeling it, you feel good and you're not you know, progressing very much by, by the time my shift's over in the morning, if you want to go home, you can. Wow. And so I think she probably just said that because she yeah, knew. She knew. Yeah. She knew I was going to have her. So how long, how long were you in labor? Um, so I started feeling my contractions 
close to transition at 11 p.m., a little after 11 p.m. And I got to the hospital about, I think it was like 7.30, 8 again in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had her by 5, about 5.40 the next morning. Um, but I pushed for a few hours. Yeah, I was going to say, if you were like, mm-hmm. you know, at or near transition. Yeah, because I 11. did, I transitioned and I didn't want to even tell my nurse I was feeling them. Mm-hmm. And I even, I was protesting so much that I made my husband be in the hospital bed and I slept on the couch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, I'm not in labor and... I'm not going to be a patient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I didn't put anything on. I had my normal clothes on forever and made sure they gave me the waterproof and uh, monitors that I could walk around in. Yeah. And, um, and I hate those. I hate those monitors so much. <laughs> I would pull them off or bug at, you know, pull at them and my nurse would come in. And she was so sweet. She's like, oh, it just came off. I need to put it back on. And I'm like. I took it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like folded neatly in the corner. You're like, yeah. It's like, oh, it just off. fell off. <laughs> oh, whoops. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So she was just so patient with me. Um, yeah. But. Um, so you pushed for a few hours. I did. So she, my water had not broken. And in my birth plan, I said, you know, don't, don't break, break my, my water. water. I want it to break naturally. And yeah, I had been. Um, it was intense. It wasn't. I. I don't know how to. Exp- how do you ever explain it, right? Mm-hmm. But because I went through natural labor, um, and but it was more that for some reason during hers, I tried to do hypnobirthing on my own. I didn't mm. take a birthing class, yeah. which I did this third time. Yeah, which I was really grateful for. It totally worked. It yeah. just it's different when you go to a class and can actually. Practice with sort mm -hmm. of that guidance. And put that time aside for you to focus on your baby, especially once you have more more children at home. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, with her, I try to do it at home, but it just was different. So once I was in labor, I felt so overwhelmed by each contraction. They just were – they were different with her than they were with my son two months ago. Yeah. He – so with her, they would just be so long. Hmm. And very powerful. And I think it was, for me, it's always, I think I just was not comfortable in the hospital. So I was almost kind of fighting it. Yeah. But not meaning to. It was amplifying. Yes. Yeah. So my body was trying to work harder getting her out because she was coming. But I was still very nervous that someone was going to come in and say, well, you got to do a C-section. Right. So that's why I didn't want to tell my nurse even, okay, well, if they just think I'm not feeling them, I'm, I'll just wait until she's, like, coming out. Right. <laughs> oh, look. Oops. Here oh, comes the baby. Well, now you can't do a C-section anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but even though no one was going to, it just yeah. was all in my head and me being yeah. paranoid still. Um, everything was going really well. So I even got in there, the bathtub, but, you know, it's a normal small bathtub in a mm-hmm. hospital room. It was awful. So once my contractions were getting a lot worse or more strong, um, I could not be in it because my whole body was not under the water. It was just, and that tub was awful. It was just hard. And so I had to get out and thankfully, you know, like I said, they just let me do whatever I wanted. I had control of the lighting. I played my hypnobirthing waves and music and um, I could move around. 
but I just got exhausted. Mm -hmm. I just was doing that for too long and trying to stand up having her and I had to go up on the bed and I didn't want to because it wasn't, I felt like it was working against me because mm -hmm. I didn't want to be laying down at all. So they sat the bed up and um, I used the bar. Yeah. They put the bar up. So I wasn't ever laying down fully. And that's what I had her with. Um, but she was slightly turned. Yeah. Her head just slightly. And um, I begged my doctor to break my water. Because mm. I was like, I just, I want her to come out faster. My doctor was coming. She's like, that's not in your birth plan. That's not, you don't want me to do that. And I was like, just but I do, do now. it. <laughs> I was like, do it now. And, um. Which I kind of regret. Um, but um, so she broke it. And of course, immediately it was just so within that hour yeah. she was born. But because she came down slightly turned, that's what kind of made it harder. Yeah. If I probably just would have been more patient, it would have all happened well, a little bit better. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's, yeah. yeah, in any labor, it's like there's like know. 97 different moments where. Oh, yeah. Could you have like. Yeah anything like there's just a million things that yeah. we can look back and be like oh well maybe if I had like pushed for two seconds longer I know or like, you never like know. your bladder <laughs> yeah like so, that yeah pushed on my side or yeah. yeah it's so true maybe if I'd gotten 20 minutes more sleep like it's just so <laughs> you know very true yeah so yeah so then she was born and she came out um five pounds four ounces and an inch longer than her brother wow. and she was just I mean she came out immediately stretched out yeah and so she had she looked huge because they put when my doctor put her on my belly she was already just sprawled out completely mm -hmm. and huge eyes just wide Aww. open and she just stared at me for uh, over an hour and yeah. even the nurses were like um she is so awake and alert this is nuts yeah and um yeah it was just amazing it was an overwhelming empowering empowering moment and yeah. um and then Nick you even had come in there mm -hmm. I didn't even know they had just come on to the side and were hanging out on one of the walls like three or four of them wow. and I never even knew I mean and just as you know you're describing how being in the hospital is just not a, a place that you love to be but it's so great that it sounds like this was, was just a, like yeah. a staff that was just on point they were. Yeah. yeah they were great yeah. yeah, so they were just so respectful because they were just flies on the wall. I didn't even yeah. know they were there until afterwards. They just looked at her and saw her looking at me and her coloring and her nursing. And they are like, she's fine. Yeah. Okay. You, there's no reason. And they knew, you know, that was a, something really important to me too, that if there was no need for her to go to the NICU to not do it. Because I really talked about that a lot that my NICU stay was awful with my son and mm -hmm. I just really didn't want to do that again if possible and anything that we could do to not at least even go down there even if there was additional things we need to do I would if we could figure something out yeah but she was fine and everything went really well and then oh, oh, he's, oh, he's waking he's up it's <laughs> <laughs> probably getting warm but um and she was only 19 and a half months after my son. Mm -hmm. So I had them really close together. Yeah. Um, but then, unfortunately, again, this is one of those we'll never know. Um, but I, I just had this weird feeling after pretty much a, later that day after having her 
something just didn't feel right. And I had a second degree tear, but I just felt off mm. for like a week after having her every day. And I even went back twice after being discharged because I didn't have an OB. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't know who to talk to, where to, to really go. And I didn't, I wasn't seeing my midwives anymore. So I tried to go back to the hospital because they have a practice in the hospital. Um, I said, something doesn't feel right. Can you check my stitches? Like something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And, um, the same nurse that I had, who was wonderful, she was there. They, another nurse found out she was my nurse from my records and was like, she's here. She can just help you. And she already saw you. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So she saw me and she took a look and she's like, no, it looks okay. Let me check your temperature. She did everything and everything was okay. And that was probably four days postpartum. And a week postpartum, within hours, in the morning I was feeling fine. And by lunchtime, I was barely staying awake mm -hmm. I would feed her and then pass out and mm -hmm. I I had eaten breakfast but I couldn't even eat lunch I had all of a sudden an awful headache and I get migraines I'm not pregnant so I thought it was just my hormones because unfortunately for me even while nursing I get my periods right away mm. after so my hormones are always freaking out and so I thought, well, I'm, I've had, I'm used to headaches and migraines sometimes. And it was just awful. Within hours, it was just the most terrible headache. And mm -hmm. I couldn't eat and I was, couldn't stay awake. And I missed one of her checkups because she was a little jaundiced. So my, the pediatrician wanted us to come back. And my pediatrician's amazing. She sees all my kiddos. And um, she calls me back personally. And she said, you missed the appointment. What's, or is everything okay? And I said, yeah, I'm just not feeling well. I'm so sorry. I thought I would be able to wake up and go. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I've had this awful headache. And she's like, take your temperature. What, do you have a fever? And we didn't have a thermometer. So I just, I had my husband feel my head because he had been working from home downstairs. And he's like, yeah, you have a fever. And she was like, I want you to come to the hospital right away. Hmm. And she actually, I called the, I can't remember if she did or I did. We, I called the emergency room ahead of time. And my on-call doctor who had delivered her was working. And she met me down in the ER. And I had a uterine infection. Hmm. And they, my temperature, my fever was so high that they thought I was going to have a stroke. Wow. And wow. they they kept asking me all these questions and how I was awake. Later, after I they got it to come down, they had said that um, they don't even know how I was talking because hmm. it was so high. And because yeah. the, the first nurse who took my temperature thought the thermometer was broken, so she went and got another one. Wow. So when that happened, I actually started freaking out. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, something's wrong. And I was back in the, they were checking me in. And Callista was only a week old in the car seat. And she was with my husband. And Adric was only one. Mm -hmm. And my girls were out there too. And so I text my husband. I'm like, I'm really scared. There's something wrong. And so they had them come back. But right as they had three nurses come and get me. And one of them was calming me down and talking to me. And like, 
saying all these things. But then I was like, I know you're trying to calm me down, so it's freaking me out more. Right. <laughs> but she what are you pretty. about to tell me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because they kept talking to me while still, like, looking into my eyes with lights and, like, putting an IV in. And, they, I mean, they yeah. were trying to do everything really fast. And they were like, okay, well, your temperature is really high, so our priority is to get that down, and we need to find out what and the how infection did, is. Yeah, I was going to say, how did they determine that it was a uterine infection? Yeah, because at first they – because I was having so much pain, too. They checked, and they pushed on everything, and I was like – I started crying. I was like, that hurts so bad. And so they were like, well, this is either – they thought it was appendicitis mm-hmm. or a uterine infection. So they had to do a scan, and they checked everything, and they were like, yeah, it's uterine infection. So it's, it's unfortunate. Which is extremely rare. Yeah. For anybody to present this way postpartum for everybody listening. <laughs> yeah. But it can happen. Yeah. Yes. And it was just awful because my doctor, she just, she was really upset about it because um, she kept saying, you know, like, we were so careful and I don't know what happened. And um, so... Yeah, it was just, it's crazy because, unfortunately, for hospitals, like, infection, that's always just the most frustrating part because it's always such an issue, but finding the cause of it. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'll never, we'll never know, but the only two times, really, I was checked once, Mm -hmm. no, twice, and then my water breaking and then my stitches. Those were the only times. Right. That anybody was, like, even down there, but... So who knows? Yeah. But it's just never know. It's just insane. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, again, that was like a sign. Okay, really, even with great providers and it being a great birth, I was like, I just can't be there. I don't want to be in a hospital. I want to be in my own home. Yeah. So you were planning a birth center birth with Mm -hmm. the first two, right? Yes. And then with Emerson, you planned a home birth. Yeah. I, yeah, with my daughter, when a couple of my friends had asked me because they had had home births or anything like that, I was like, no, I can't do that yet. I'm not brave enough or I still want to be in a setting where, I, you know, they could get me to a hospital fast or I don't know. Yeah. So but this time I was like, nope, mm-hmm. I've tried that twice. I want to be home yeah. because I thought, you know what? I can't imagine they're already so fast. If I just stay home and I relax, I feel like I, I, I said, I'm just going to have the baby and then I can go back to doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what happened, except for I was exhausted and didn't go back to doing laundry and all that. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he, in active labor, two hours. Wow. Yeah, it was fast. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a different kind of intense, but everything yeah. went really great and had my water birth the tub the birthing tub was a huge difference for sure and it was it was so amazing in labor because I could actually just lay on it and support myself and it's soft yeah and like that's yeah yeah it's like a bed of water yeah Yeah. as opposed to like a like a metal yeah (laughs) exactly it's just it was just so nice for my body like it just would take Mm -hmm. the weight off of everything and so yeah, it worked out for us, and he just – it's funny, though, because even him being my third, I wouldn't believe it. While I was in labor, I was like, this isn't happening this fast. Right. Like, I'm not already grunting and pushing now. How long like, did how- you have to push with him? Oh, pff. Oh, my gosh. Half an hour? Wow. 
but I didn't know I was pushing. Mm. I just did the hypnobirthing. I just did. Yeah. I totally let my body do like the natural push down. I didn't ever, there was no counting. There wasn't ever. You no know, directed pushing. Yeah, yeah. No directed pushing at all. Yeah. And um, my, my husband knew he's like, well, after Callista's birth, I, I, I know to just stay away until she asks for me. Because I'm definitely one of those moms while I'm in labor where even if it seems to be helping in that second, like whether it's counter pressure on the lower back or anything like that, within a second, I'll be like, why are you touching me? Yeah. And that's okay. that's a lot nicer than I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I am not, I am definitely more. You're not worried that. about babysitting anyone when you're in labor. Yeah. Yeah, no. Which is great. Yes. And that's why when I found my midwife, um, I just, she was perfect after interviewing all the midwives. And not only was she perfect for me because she didn't have this really long list of things I had to follow. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, if you have preterm labor or if you can't go past 36 weeks or if you go past this. I was immediately, any midwives, I was like, oh, you're nice. You're great. You know, you have great reviews. I've heard great things about you, but you're not for me. Yeah. And and then, it, so there was that piece of it. And then our personalities. And yeah. my midwife was just amazing because she, she was more of the mother maternal taking care of me. And I need that when I'm in labor. I need someone who can take care of me without me asking, mm-hmm. but know when to stop and to know naturally just super when, intuitive about yes. your needs. Yeah. 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 So that was really important because, and she just was so calm. Mm-hmm. She just has a really calming nature about her. So she just made me yeah. feel better because I couldn't be around someone who's very anxious like me. So yeah. I'm like, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So that was a huge piece, I think, in yeah. why this third time was also so success successful and so positive even, yeah mm-hmm. even with me going to almost 39 weeks I was going to ask is there anything that you attribute going that long to or was it just random I and lucky I don't I both yeah I mean I really truly believe in my heart it's because I really paid attention to my mental health again mm-hmm. even more so um and I knew how to separate it. So even yeah. if I was stressed out or emotional about something, I knew how to categorize that. And mm-hmm. I knew how to deal with it yeah. versus me having so much anxiety over it that it was stressing my body out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am someone who's more in tune with my body. So I do easily have triggers, I guess, with that. So... Like, even throughout my whole life, I've had a harder time gaining weight. And so I always wonder if it's because of things I was going through as a kid mm-hmm. and growing up that it was trauma or so it was stressing my body out. Yeah. So because I definitely love food, I'm always eating. Yeah. So I just, I, I always want, even doctors would, I was always like, what? I don't understand. Why am I having a problems gaining weight um and so even 
a couple of my therapists, they're like, it's, it's probably a lot of this that you just haven't worked through. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's a big piece. And my midwife um, had me cut sugar completely mm-hmm. the last three months. And I'm like, um, that's huge. Uh, sugar is, they, they can't directly say that it causes preterm labor. Mm-hmm. There's not enough evidence, but there's enough out there that it, there's a lot of, it just. Well, and no matter what, like cutting sugar is certainly not going to uh, harm you. No, <laughs> you exactly. Know? If, if it's something you're, no. you know, going to try and well, see I'm, if it helps, like. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and sugar, you know, lights up the brain like mm-hmm. a drug yeah. and you're addicted to it and it's in everything. Um, so that was, that was really hard. And I actually yeah. went through withdrawals. I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> it was, it was really, I went through crazy withdrawals the first yeah. three days. Um, like a drug addict. It was oh, insane. Sure. Um, anytime I cut sugar, I mean, sugar. Yeah. Cause is, I've done it a few times yeah, too. It's just like, I just feel like I might murder people. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> like 20 times worse when you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it's- yeah. I tried. I tried just because like, not for any particular reason like that, but just because I knew I was eating too much sugar right. in this last pregnancy and I would try and I, I did successfully cut back, but like I would try to go cold turkey and I would just yeah. be like, no, that's for the yeah. sake of. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got. I, the yeah. other third day I, I just was so grumpy. I actually had an ICANN meeting that night on the third day that I just cut it cold turkey. And I told everyone, they're like, well, how are you doing? And I was like, I just, I want to kill everyone today. Mm-hmm. I am so frustrated. I was like, it's not even any, no one's doing anything. It's just everything's making me angry. Yeah. Because I want sugar so badly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, all my, some of them I know and some new moms, we were just all laughing together, which helps. Yeah. It really helped. But um, yeah, that the, I think it was like the you go through such crazy withdrawal so you go angry I had one day where I was like almost in tears I was just mm-hmm. emotional and then I actually had one day where it was just almost like you're anxious like you're fidgety <laughs> yeah like twitchy because yeah. you just it's like almost caffeine or something yeah. then then there's the bargaining phase <laughs> yeah if I just <laughs> well if I just have this yeah this much yeah. that's that's better right? right or it's like it's not it's not a donut. It's just, you know. Yeah. What if it's just a bite of a donut? Right. No. Yeah. It's It was insane. I started paying attention to how many grams of sugar are just in Everything. one thing. Yeah. 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 It was insane. But it was great because it it really helped for me. And it, it really helped yeah. me be more mindful of that. Because I've never really paid attention to all of that. And I don't look at labels. It you feel good. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that was awesome actually mm-hmm. I was starting to pay and attention to that I was gonna say I know we hope in the future to have um one of my professors on to share with our guests because she studies the biome of the pregnant woman and yeah. the postpartum woman and she has a lot of insight as to like how your biome could actually affect your pregnancy and delivery and it's yeah. kind of her little slice of the pie and what she's really interested in her field and I I find it so interesting because you know Maybe that is what made the difference. Maybe you won't ever really know. Yeah. Because there's no way for you to do it again and not, you know. Yeah. yeah. You can't be your own control. But you can definitely take that wisdom to the people in your life and say, I have no idea if this was what it was, but yeah. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I think 
they need to be looking more at that right now. I think they really need to be studying it and actually getting conclusive evidence and finding out. I mean, I don't know if that's possible or how they go about it, but I really feel like that made a big difference because when I first went to college, I was really, I took a couple of nutrition classes and became really aware of how much sugar was in my diet. But again, I didn't pay attention to like um, World Health Organization, what they recommended mm-hmm. for healthy or, you know, the max dose of. Yeah. Don't tell um, me what it is. <laughs> it's only 20 grams. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, 20. That's um, a donut is more than that yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Even lemonades, like you can't drink. Even the small things of, like, organic lemonade even. Yeah. And, again, so natural sugar is going to be – I would give myself room with that. During the pregnancy, I was like, well, I'm going to eat as much the natural sugar. I'm not going to worry about that. And also, don't forget about the study, um, the small study, but the study about eating dates for the last few weeks of pregnancy. Yeah. So that's that's sugar, but a more natural sugar, obviously. Exactly. So – I lost my train of thought. That's okay. <laughs> well, um, why don't we why don't we wrap it up? I'd love yeah. to ask you, you know, since we are focusing this month on prematurity awareness yes. and that obviously has a big component with of, you know, NICU stays and, and sort of that that um, you know, that sort of interminable waiting right. game of of not, you know, knowing when you're gonna get out of the NICU and, you know, just all of that. Yeah. If you had one piece of advice that you could give to moms who who have had babies prematurely and are, you know, either in a NICU stay or are, you know, um, thinking about those possibilities, what yeah. would you say to them? Um, the number one thing is support. Yeah. I would say um get to know some of the other moms in the NICU Mm. and um, go to a support group. Mm. Don't, I mean, I know that it's not for everyone, but I think you have to try it. I think, and every group's going to be different um, and or write it down for yourself so that you can even go back and see how you were feeling or just to get that energy out. Yeah. Um, but I think the self-care of it is so important because I, I didn't take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I felt guilty if I took care of myself. Yeah. So I think the support and the self-care are the two. If you can do that, everything else will fall into place and also become priorities. But those are the two to survive going through NICU for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Well, Paige is a um, a blogger and Insta blogger. She takes beautiful, beautiful pictures of her family and of different things related to to babies. And you can find her on Instagram at Mother of Babies. Um, she's just really inspiring to follow as she shares her her mama journey. So we'll share links to um, the different things we talked about in the show and to um, to Paige's accounts on our show notes. So you can check that out there. Thank you so much, Paige, for sharing your story with us today and for being so real. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, you can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. 
I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Lisa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period. 